20 square box. Blocks. Blocks. 20 square blocks. Look at this. Yeah. This is um, quite dramatic. This doesn't help for the podcast, but what are we looking at here? Bare, bare rock. Yeah, and then we're looking down into the cutting. So this used to be all hill. Yeah, this would have been well. Completely dug away by shovels. We're actually, we're actually below where the hill used to be. You know, the top of the hill would have been, you know five meters above us here. This would have taken quite some time. Only took five years. Five years? Five years, yep. Picks and shovels. Black Hill, once known by its indigenous name Bowden, is according to my guest, a beautiful damaged mess. And is it any wonder? For over 180 years, the hill's been mined, stripped bare, bashed about, reshaped, and replanted with Monterey pines. It's a place with a rich history, if you know exactly where and how to look. I'm Neil Hybrids. I've lived in Belhant for 10 years. I, I can tell that you're Polish. <laughs> Canadian. Canadian, of course. Close. I should know that. Because you're nice, is that right? Because you're, you're nice. Yes. Yeah, we are actually. Canadians are nice and Australians are friendly. Ah. Yeah. I worked that out years ago. Whereabouts in Canada are you from? Uh, I was born in Alberta. Uh, it's one of the prairie provinces, so flat as anything. And looking out the kitchen window, we could see the school bus coming when it was a mile away. So there was just nothing in between us and the rest of the world. So uh, how long did you live in Alberta for? Ten years. Ten? Hang on. Hang on. You were there for ten years? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we moved to Vancouver on the coast. Everyone in Canada moves to Vancouver because it's like the warmest place in Canada. Some some winters it wouldn't even snow. How long were you in Vancouver for? Five years. Where'd they move after that? Here, Australia. You were not happy about that. Could you imagine? Yes. Fifteen years <laughs> yeah. old. Awful. Being wrenched from one culture to another. My my woodwork teacher um, was Australian, and he took me aside before we moved. And he explained to me just how backward the schools were over here and that kids had to wear uniforms. And I remember saying, what, like the Hitler Youth? <laughs> so it was a real shock, real shock. It took me two years to get used to living here. For two years, all I wanted was to go home again. Of course, we didn't kind of count on... We were moving to Australia. We, didn't, we thought it was going to be warm. So moving to Victoria... <laughs> well, see, and the other thing was that Australian homes aren't heated. I had never been cold inside before. Okay, you're talking because you used to live in the snow. Yeah, but that's outside. Yeah. You know, like even, even the, you know, the incredibly old weatherboard house we lived in when we were in Alberta, you know, had a huge furnace in the basement and, and, a, and a room full of coal that we filled up every, every fall um, to keep the house warm. You know, there are places in Australia, and including Victoria, that are quite hot. And, and that was the other thing. I'd never been so hot. Geez, you complain a bit. <laughs> it's too hot, it's too cold. I hated it. I hated it, really. It was, um, you know... It's because you were 15. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a re- that's the real reason. And how do you feel now? Have you bought a heater? <laughs> I love the place. I really do. And especially the bush. It took me a long time to get used to the fact that eucalypts don't always grow straight and narrow like pine trees do. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it just... Um, yeah. Now, one of my passions is, you know... 
the bush and revegetation and that sort of thing. You know, the, the, the plants that really belong here are the ones that I'm really passionate about. And my garden is, you know, it's full of all the local species, you know, grasses, tussocks, trees, bushes. Yeah, and it's just like living in the bush. But then, you know, my house backs onto the Arrowy River, onto the reserve, on the base of Black Hill. It's, um, and in fact, my garden spreads out a little bit into the reserve. So here we are at Black Hill itself. Black Hill used to be known for burnt out cars. People would come up, you'd steal a car, come up here, set it on fire. Those are the days. That's, no, that's quite recently, actually, a few years ago, really. Um, yeah, and the other thing we're looking at is pine trees. You know, Lots and lots of pine lots trees. Lots and lots of pine trees. They're all self-sown. None of these would have been planted. Um, the reason I brought you here, um, and we're right on Chisholm Street, is that this tree that we're looking at, this little tree in front of us, has a really good story. It's so small, it can't have a good story. It's only been planted like a week ago. <laughs> it was planted on May the 8th. I took this tree as a seedling. Well, you planted this tree. I potted it up and um, eventually it got to about half the height you see there now. And um, it was big enough to stick in the ground. And um, it was originally planted in 1971. And ironically for a tree that's called, on the plaque it says, the tree for life. It didn't really last that long, a few decades and it was gone and we decided to replant it um, just last year and we kind of made a big deal of it. It got into the courier. It was pretty exciting that this tree that had been meant to be for life had been reinstated and, the, um, and one of the things that happened was that someone got in touch with me and she said that her kids used to go to Black Hill Primary School and their son, Peter, his job was to carry a bucket of water every day to school and he would use that water to feed the original tree back in 1971. Pete didn't last very long, he died as a teenager, but they still called it Pete's tree. But they were just so grateful that we'd restored it. You know, Pete's tree was back. You have this obsession with somebody, Dr. Otway, is that right? Mm. And you once spoke about him for six hours. Yeah. Did you keep the audience there the whole time? No. <laughs> no, there was, there was no, no, uh, you didn't have to commit to the full six hours. And in fact... Um, Did it say it was going to go for six hours? Well, initially we thought it was going to be four. And where, where was this? Where, where exactly uh, well, was it this? Well, was, it, was kind of, it was an event that we put on for the Ballarat Heritage uh, a few years ago. We did it at the BMI. BMI, okay. Yeah, and we had a room there. And, um, yeah, there was a sign-up saying, you know, world's longest history lecture. And then in brackets, given in Ballarat. We had a big sports timer counting down the, how long I'd been going. So you, you intended to go for quite some time. Oh, God, yeah. I had 720 slides. Oh, it was a slideshow as well. Yeah. This sounds like torture. <laughs> I, I loved it. Yeah, I know you loved it, sure. And, and there was one person, well, listen, of the people who, who stayed for 
quite a lot of it, and I'm and I'm by that I mean like three or more hours. One was my wife. Two were uh, Dr. Otway's great great granddaughter and her partner. And they didn't even stay for the whole thing. Even they didn't. Well, no, they went and had lunch. They were actually there for probably for over five hours. I'm going to guess. And then there was one other person who was just fascinated. And I can remember because I got to the end without even thinking. I put up my usual last slide, which has showed my wiki page about Dr. Otway.、Mm-hmm. And I said, and if you want to know more, you can go to my wiki page. And this this woman who'd been coming and going, she just laughed. She just thought, like, is there more? But the thing that was, there was more. I'd forgotten to talk about how, because he called himself a doctor, he would occasionally get dragged into dealing with medical issues, and he would just fake it. I know nothing about this person, so he was not born here. No, he he was Canadian. We <laughs> no. He, he he first turns up in the records in 1840, joining the U.S. Army. Okay, so and he's in、okay. he's in New York at the recruiting office, and he ends up being、uh, stationed in Florida. And it's the tail end of the Seminole Wars.、Uh, it's you know one of the many wars that the people of European background fought against the the natives, and he was there for a few years fighting against them. Terrible stories, absolutely hideous.、Um, yeah, just the way that the natives were treated.、Um, and then he ends up in New Orleans、uh, lecturing at the age of. Twenty-five, twenty-six years old. He's lecturing at a、um, temperance society. Okay, right. So he's an American for all intents and purposes. Yeah, yeah. He、um, in 1849. So this is four years after he left the army. He did what 27,000 other people did, and he walked from Missouri to California. Dangerous. Took five months. Ten percent of the people who did the journey died. Yeah. That's nothing compared to what happened to their pack animals. One of the people in Otway's company kept a diary, and、um, they took a, a section that they really shouldn't have taken. It's, it became known as the Death Route. See, if I saw a sign saying Death Route, well, see, at the time it was called Larson's Cutoff. That sounds a lot safer. Exactly, and you think it sounds like a shortcut, but in fact, it took you to Northern California, so it was a big mistake on a number of rounds. Anyway, one day, what, what, what is, that, is it hotter? Yeah, it's the American Desert. Right, they're going through the desert, right? Yeah. So you know, there's ice half an inch thick on the puddles in the morning, and it's so cold at night. And then it gets up to incredibly hot temperatures during the day. And the, anyway, this one day, they、um, counted hundreds of dead oxen, dead bullocks. Yeah. That they had with them. No, no, these are other people's that just、oh. died along the way, and people just had to keep going without the oxen, without the wagons. Once you get across this desert, you're then in the Sierra Nevada mountains. And once you get up to the top of the mountain, thankfully the U.S. Army was there. They brought cattle, they slaughtered the cattle, they dried the meat, and people had food to eat for the rest of the journey. Do you have any knowledge of、uh, the Ballarat in California? Because I always wondered, well, how did that get its name? Because it sounds like you, these companies walking very close to the area.、Uh, yeah, it's it's in California, and it was much later. I think it's the eighteen eighties. Ah, it was Manson's hangout. Really? Yeah, we went there for a while. <laughs> yeah, no, Man, Manson was in Ballarat for a little while. Not this Ballarat. Not this Ballarat. No, no, no yeah, that's that scary. Just hearing that. Yeah,、um, one or more people from proper Ballarat, where we're sitting at the moment. They named it. They named it. So some people here. So it's named after the Ballarat that we're sitting in. 
Right. Because it's a pretty small place, isn't it? Well, up until a few years ago, it had one resident. Yeah, and that's quite small. Seldom seen slim. And then he died and now there's no one. Yeah, and don't know what happened to his dog. But yeah, no, that's, um, that's much later and that was tin. Yeah, so... But yeah, so Otway got to California, and then yeah, the next next place he turns up is Portland in Oregon Territory. Uh, next thing he's getting married, and then they traveled to Australia. So they arrived in Melbourne end of December 1853. Arrived here like three weeks later, early January. So what what makes this guy interesting? Um, I personally found all of that interesting, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's only because you know what's coming up. No, 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 no. Hey, was that the interesting part? It, it, no, it, really. It, the, what, and I'm finding this is a problem with my PhD that I find anything historical interesting. Now, and you're doing a PhD on Dr. Otway, yeah. A bit late to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> Are there books written about this person? No, he's a really, he's a bit player. He really is a bit player. The thing was that he was so good at promoting himself, he just keeps getting in the papers. But what's he do? I'm glad you asked that question. When he got to Ballarat, he decided to not do what everyone else was doing, which was trying to dig up this alluvial gold, yeah. and he goes to Black Hill. Black Hill was thought by some to be one of the possible sources for the gold. So this was where people who were industrious and had some ability to invest in equipment went, and Otway had a little bit of that, and he set up a very small crushing mill is the first steam-powered crushing mill in Ballarat. And then he didn't do very well hmm. because the quartz at Black Hill just doesn't have a lot of gold in it. We had to wait another you know, five years for big investment, big crushing mills to process this stuff. And Ballarat was famous for low yields. They could take quartz that had hardly any gold in it and still make a profit. Back to Mr. Otway, what's, what's he getting up to now? Um, it sounds like there's going to be some sort of misadventures happening or some sort of little... He's going to get up to something, isn't he? I'll be so disappointed if you said, well, that's kind of it, he retired after that. <laughs> Is that what happened? <laughs> I think Otway's life, you know, he was a charlatan. He was... Okay, so it, you say he's a charlatan, but what, what, what did he do? He called himself a doctor to begin with. And that's not something that he did before he came to Australia. But I've and called myself a doctor too to get cheap tram fares and it didn't happen <laughs> on my little card. It didn't do anything. And so at that moment you were being a charlatan. I guess so. Yeah. But he took it a lot further than that. Okay. That's, I guess, the thing. And he did end up giving medical opinions. Okay. I think, I think if, you're, if you're looking for something just completely amazing and outrageous, we're probably not going to find it. It's kind of the entirety of his life that I find amazing. He was one of the people who made a fuss about what he was doing to the extent that he ended up in the newspapers. And he would just big note himself. You know, he'd seen all the gold fields from the Ural to the Transvaal, you know, from Siberia to South Africa. He, you know, he would, uh -huh. he, he would just carry on about um, just how expert he was. And, you know, at the time, you just had to take people at their word. You couldn't Google them. At one point, he calls himself Professor Otway. <laughs> so, but yeah, he was none of those things. And so he, he got away with calling himself a doctor. He got away with telling people that he was some kind of highly experienced expert. And I, there's no doubt 
you know, he made his living out of metallurgy. He did know what he was doing to an extent, but he just made, he embiggened it. I love that word. He made it bigger than, you know, it really was. Yeah, and it's just a really, it's just a really interesting window on life at the time that that was the kind of thing that you could get away with and that there was opportunities for people to make, to get themselves ahead in that way. Who's responsible for that big section taken down to Black Hill there? That was the Black Hill Company. Right. They started in 1859. They came after, about five years after Otway. Right. They dug that cutting in just five years. Manual labor. Uh, they would, you know, dig it up with shovels and picks. And really? drop it down a shaft into a tunnel that was underneath the hill and uh, carry it out by horse-drawn carts. Does that tunnel still remain? I don't know how much of that tunnel still remains, but I do know somebody who once had his birthday party under Black Hill. Someone had their birthday party under Black Hill? Yeah, yeah. About like in, in, a, in a... In a big artificial man-made cavern that had been dug under Black Hill. They, you can't get in there anymore. They've, they've closed off the entrances. Uh, they, you could still get under there up until maybe 15 years ago. When did you move here? Um, I moved to Ballarat about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons I moved up here was Black Hill. I was um, looking initially just for an investment property on the base of Black Hill, and I'd just never seen anything like it before. You know, there's these cliff faces. It was in the rain. It was just really kind of dramatic, and it was like practically in the town center, and I just thought, wow, what an amazing place to live. And it was on a on a creek, I'm going to call it. You know, sorry, I'm from Canada, and if you can step over it, it's not a river even though I know technically it is a river. Um, and then, yeah, I found this house in, you know, it backs onto the river, which backs onto the hill. And I get that view of, you know, my back veranda every morning. I just love it. There's something around this corner here that I've always wondered what it was. It's... um. It's a con- concrete structure. Uh, it's an explosive store. Right. Yeah, they would um, put the um, uh, the stuff they used in for blasting. Yeah. There's a, there are a lot of emergency marker signs with 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 numbers. How many how many people are calling emergency? I wonder down here. Do you think? Well, um, it's funny you should ask that. I was in emergency. Uh, with my wife recently and someone came in who'd um, broken her arm riding a push bike and one of the nurses looked at the other and said Black Hill and the other one yeah Black Hill well, the, the council uh, did a master plan for Black Hill about 10 years ago and as part of that they did some community consultation the, what, what people told them was that the top four things that people like to do at Black Hill are walking, exploring, sightseeing, and bike riding. This was before the bike paths were built. So what were the four things again? Walking, walking? exploring, sightseeing. What are you talking about? What did- well, sightseeing. You know, you go to the lookout at Black Hill. and I know, but apart from the lookout, what else is there? <laughs> <laughs> 
you're hard to please, aren't you? <laughs> People go up there for the sunsets. Yeah, the sunset's really big. I've never seen a sunset up there. It's the second best place to look out over the city. The best place is to look out at Wookerung. That's, um, you know, Canadian. Of course, you bring up Canadian. State Park. <laughs> <laughs> the State Park that's um, huh. out that way. Yeah, and there's a, a lookout hmm. there and they have a... Um, the Friends of Canadian Corridor have a um, a drinks night every Christmas and everyone goes up there to look at the lights. Yeah. But you've been up for the Black Hill one. I'm a bit parochial. Yeah, I love the Black the Black Hill lookout. I go up there all the time, mostly just to have a look down at my own house. But yeah, the, the, the hill, it's... The hill's really special because... One of the things that drives me nuts about the hill is how neglected it is. You know, it's practically in the city centre and it's... It's mostly treated as though it's, it's almost being treated as though it's wasteland. You know, there's, yeah, there's, there's bike trails that they put through there, but you know, they could put those anywhere. It doesn't have to be good quality bush. You know, it's, it's got a lookout. It's got a bit of parkland up towards Chisholm Street, but the rest of it is pretty much just neglected. And I, and that's actually one of the things that makes it really fascinating because if you do the second thing on that list, if you actually go out there and do some exploring, then you'll actually, you end up in places, who knows, you know, it's just, it's like you're nowhere. This sort of, this destroyed landscape, you know, it's, it's got gullies that have been cut into it. The whole thing was completely barren of any vegetation within a few years of the gold rush starting. And it's been destroyed and come back. And the, the, it's because the place is such a mess that makes it so interesting. You know, you might be sort of stumbling over ground that's got gullies cut into it and all the rest from washout, and you'll find someone's built a treehouse. You know, it's just it's just a really um, amazing kind of place. You're in the middle of nowhere, but you're in the middle of town. The first recorded discovery of gold in Victoria was on Black Hill. 1845, it was a guy by the name of George Innes, there's actually an inner street in Bunanyong. I thought they found the first gold in Bunanyong. There, there were all these gold finds right. around Victoria, and people kept quiet about it. And in fact, what George Innes said was that he chose not to tell anyone. Because you wouldn't, because gold and silver belonged to the Queen. So you weren't allowed to take them out of the ground. Cheeky. It was, it was illegal to take gold or silver out of the ground. If you, if you owned land and you found copper there, you could you could dig to your heart's delight. Right, so that's why the whole mining rights came up and you had to pay to dig and, and, and have that gold. Mm. It's um and and it's and in fact in the Heritage Register they actually say it's one of the few places in Ballarat where there is still this sort of evidence of mining. You know, Black Black Hill is a place that if you know how to look at it, you just you're standing in history. You just you know, you're standing in it. So this is the top, obviously. I can tell that because of the uh, view. So this, this is the second best place to see the sunset. So I'm told. You can see all the way past the lake. Yeah, down below us is the cutting. You know, all this earth was removed in the 1860s, piled up over on the west side of the hill and it was all done by hand 
shovels and picks and whatever else. Not a bad sunset in the end. Yeah. Just a glow. It's nice. Yeah. Thanks for listening to 20 Square Blocks. If you like the show, do the things that podcasts ask you to do. Subscribe, like, review, and most importantly, tell someone you know. Oh my God. I didn't write it down. Vitabrits. <laughs> Hybrids. Thanks to my guest, Neil Hybrids, who lives seven blocks to the north of me. Music by Ryan Goodwin. Check out his other music at virtuallyryan.com. Additional material written by Anne Murison. Did I put a question mark at the end of Murison? <laughs> I'm doing my best. Editing by the irrepressible Ricky Cheno. And thanks to H-Studios for the use of their studios. I'm Ben Plaza and this is 20 Square Blocks.